The Outline World Dispatch. Tuesday, July 4th, 2017. I'm John Lago Marcino. It's a holiday here in the U.S., so today on The Dispatch, we'll revisit some of our favorite stories from the past few months. Robbie Kamir notices something strange about two new movies. One is white and the other is black. Steph Yin and Adrian Jeffries ask the question, did humans evolve from pigs? I think of humans now as just sort of chimps in a pigskin. And And Eric Gaillot explores American Ninja Warrior's gender dynamics. A&W is doing something that so many professional sports leagues are unlikely to have even seriously considered, eschewing gender segregation. Here's the dispatch. Culture. A few weeks ago, while browsing YouTube, I began seeing ads for a movie about a wild weekend away with the girls called Girls Trip. I'm about to get pregnant tonight! For whatever reason, Google's ad-serving algorithm thought this was a movie I might like. Not long after, while watching something with my roommate on her YouTube account, a trailer for another movie called Rough Night popped up. The Wallace Fifth Floor girls are back together again! <laughs> Did you know they're making the same movie twice this summer, she asked. We watched both trailers back to back, and sure enough, it would appear that Hollywood did make two very similar movies, with some slight differences. We haven't hung in five years. This weekend is about us. This weekend's all about us, just like old times. One takes place in Miami and the other in New Orleans. There's going to be so many hot Miami babes. One is about a group of girlfriends who met in college, and the other is about a group of girlfriends who met much earlier in life. I miss you guys. We need a girl's trip. One deals with the death of a stripper, and the other with the death of a marriage. I killed a guy! But aside from those sorts of plot differences, Rough Night and Girl's Trip do seem remarkably similar to each other. Straight up, you're going to get at least two dicks this weekend. We are going to be swimming in dick, girl. Except for one significant detail. One is white and the other is black. Ooh, that's that Shaka Zulu right there. If it feels unfairly reductive to categorize movies as white or black, that's because it is. The color line in Hollywood has been dissected and discussed for years, as has the idea that white audiences aren't interested in attending movies they perceive as being black. There are recent examples that suggest the contrary, or that are at the very least notable exceptions. Moonlight, Hidden Figures, and Get Out, all movies with black leads and black casts, were critical and commercial smashes over the past year. And there are not so recent examples too. Films starring Will Smith, or Denzel Washington, or Eddie Murphy, resonated with national and international audiences for decades. Conversations about race and representation in film and television have broadened, but an undeniable divide persists, as it does elsewhere in American life. Okay, someone tell me what to do, and I will do it. Rough Night and Girl's Trip feel like cheap proof of that cultural segregation and evidence that Hollywood has run out of ideas. Girl, you can't get no infection in your booty hoe. It's a booty hoe. It's mother. The future. One scientist in Georgia thinks we may have missed a core part of the truth in the explanation for how humans evolved. Science is all about consensus, and major theories that are part of what we accept today, including heliocentrism, the Big Bang, and plate tectonics, were once rejected by the mainstream. Which is why Gene McCarthy doesn't care what the broader scientific community thinks of him. Writer Steph Yin reported this story for The Outline. Hi, Steph. Hi. Was it easy to get in touch with him? It was very easy. Um, he was very willing to talk. I find people have a lot of misconceptions, but uh, I mean, some of the most common are that hybrids themselves are uncommon. 
he has a background in science, but not precisely in genetics, right? He started off as a mathematician and he took a break off, read on the origin of species, developed his human hybrid hypothesis before he had any background in biology, but then precisely to sort of further flesh out his ideas, went back to school and studied genetics at the University of Georgia, which has a very prestigious genetics department. So what is the basic rundown of his idea, his hypothesis? He started with a hypothesis that humans may be hybrids. So he is assuming that if humans are hybrids, one of the parents is likely a chimp because chimps are our closest living relatives. So I went through the literature and looked to see what features there are that distinguish us from chimpanzees. And he ended up with I think, close to 100 traits. And then I looked to see what other animal those that list of characteristics described. And the animal that uh, they consistently describe is pig. And what are some of these traits? So there are many. Um, one is our bare skin, um, our body fat. There's some that are, you know, kind of obvious, you know, to everyone, you know, like our rubbery nose that pokes out of our face. Uh, it's like very similar to uh, a pig nose. Apparently female orgasm is one of them. They're less obvious things like our multipyramidal kidneys. Uh, it's this very complex kidney structure that you don't see any any other animal except a pig. There are all these details of the skin structure that are very similar. It's like uh, a lot of times I think of Humans now is just uh, sort of chimps in a pigskin. He almost got this published in an actual peer-reviewed journal, right? Yeah, he, he almost got it published through a university press. So he, Oxford University Press had published another book he had written all about bird hybrids. And he had actually signed a contract with Oxford University Press. And after they had received some mixed assessments from other scientists, reviewers, they ultimately decided not to publish it. I'm wondering, like, why, you know, why was it that these ideas were so offensive? I mean, isn't it, like, why why can't you present an alternative hypothesis for how something happened? I think here, this is where a lot of scientists would say, you know, bold claims require bold evidence. And so it's not necessarily just that he had a very unorthodox idea, um, but I think the main thing that a lot of scientists would want to see is genetic evidence that there are pig or pig-related genes in the human genome. Uh, at least that's what the many scientists I spoke to, that was the one thing that they all sort of consistently said, and Gene McCarthy doesn't have that. Well, uh, if you think about it, there's no genetic proof of the standard view either. Uh, for example, uh, in the conventional story, uh, you know, they always talk about how humans and chimpanzees are 98% similar at the genetic level. And, you know, that seems like that's really good evidence that, you know, we're uh, closely related to them. But you could get that same level of similarity, you, at least you know, hypothetically, between humans and chimpanzees by first crossing chimpanzees with some other animal, say a pig, and then back-crossing the resulting hybrids for a few generations to chimpanzees. 
And then you would end up with 98% similarity uh, in that case, too. So the 98% similarity doesn't really mean anything. If McCarthy had sort of not alienated himself from other scientists, I wonder if he would have been able to sort of stay in within institutional science and contribute to the conversation and maybe have access to the tools and computers and, you know, collaborators that he would have needed to present some more, you know, hard genetic evidence or, or evidence that other scientists finds convincing. And is there an experiment he could do now that would lead to some some of this evidence that his his peers want to see from him? So, yeah, a lot of people have said, you know, well, if he were to actually search the human genome um, computationally and look for traces of pig ancestry, that would be sort of definitive, irrefutable evidence that people would have to pay attention to. And... That is something that can definitely be done, but is very expensive, requires sort of supercomputers, um, and is definitely not something that Gene McCarthy has access to. Uh, as far as proof goes, at least the theory that I'm proposing, there's at least a potential to prove it's correct. I mean, to actually prove it. Uh, I mean, for example, you could, like, take a pig and a chimpanzee and... Uh, back across the resulting hybrids to chimpanzees and uh, get something like a human, then you would know, you would have proof. But with the standard view, I don't see how you could ever get proof. It's like uh, what kind of genetic data would ever demonstrate beyond doubt that we have slowly diverged from chimpanzees over the last several million years. I mean, I, I really think the case has only been convincing because there's been no plausible alternative. But... Uh, I think that now there is a plausible alternative and their explanation doesn't look very good. So after all of this research and talking to Gene McCarthy, what, I mean, do you buy it? Do you think it's possible that humans are the descendants of a long ago tryst between a chimp and a pig? I would say um, from talking to all the people that I did, I, I talked to Ten, you know, geneticists and evolutionary biologists and experts in hybridization. It seems unlikely to me that we are the descendants of a pig-chimp hybrid. But I would say that I'm walking away from this story really appreciating that hybridization is probably happen, happening way more commonly than we think, and that it's playing a big role in evolution and that evolution is not as straightforward as just survival of the fittest. And that's definitely something that um, I'm starting to appreciate more and more. You know, if you're asking me about scientists disagreeing or dismissing it or whatever, I'd say that you know, from my point of view, it looks as if their claims are probably wrong in many ways, and I can't take their claims very seriously. Um, I, I think that thinking about evolution and human origins in the way that I describe leads to a much better understanding of those topics. Um, but you can lead a horse to its origins, but you know you can't make him think. You can't make him think as you do.
culture. On a recent episode of American Ninja Warrior, competitor Jessie Graff became the first woman in the history of the show to complete stage two of its notoriously difficult obstacle course. Jessie Graff, we called her Wonder Woman. I'm she is truly I'm a hero. I'm out of here. Making I'm history here. again. I'm here. She hits the buzzer on stage two. Yes. First woman ever to do so. It was an historic moment on the show and an exciting one for ANW's approximately 6 million viewers. But Graf's accomplishment reflects the failings of the rest of the sports world, even though her sport is barely included in that world at all. Like most sports, American Ninja Warrior runs in seasons. But unlike most sports, it began as a TV show. Welcome back to American Ninja Warrior's USA versus the World competition. Each season of ANW, a spin-off of the Japanese show Sasuke, features a group of competitors trying to make it through a series of entertaining but strenuous obstacle courses that get progressively harder with each episode. And thanks to its televised origins, the competition itself falls somewhere between sports and reality TV. Despite its hazy genre, or maybe because of it, ANW is doing something that so many professional sports leagues are unlikely to have even seriously considered, eschewing gender segregation. Jesse Graff completes stage two. Not history. History has just been made. When it comes to adults in sports, mixed gender competition is reserved for the unserious and the amateur. A company softball team, a neighborhood kickball league, a friendly ultimate frisbee club. But gender integration rarely exists in quote-unquote serious sports like basketball, baseball, and soccer. When it comes to that category, where the high physical ability required is taken for granted, a woman beating or simply competing against a man is treated like a sensation. Only on a reality competition show would something so potentially scandalous take place. No matter what color your skin is, and no matter what gender you are, we're all ninjas. We are witnessing history! There was no real gendered prestige to lose, like in, say, the NFL, because it was never there in the first place. American Ninja Warrior returns Monday, June 12th on NBC. The show started on the tech network G4. There, it was hosted by television personalities, but now in its ninth season, and its sixth on NBC, its on-screen hosting cast includes a sports analyst and a sports reporter. Oh, look at this technique. You see how she's using the counterbalance oh, no. to make her way through the double wedge? Competitors are regularly covered on ESPN.com, and the success of the show has prompted ANW-inspired gyms and even the establishment of an amateur competitive league. Reality TV's experiments with gender lines are rarely good. Remember a shot at love with Tila Tequila? Uh, yeah, give me what I need. But American Ninja Warrior has the right idea. And thanks to the example set by competitors like Jesse Graff, Casey Catanzaro, and Megan Martin, more and more women are applying to compete. Even if the gender representation of the competitors starts to balance out, some people will insist that athletes like Graff are outliers that there aren't that many women out there that can compete at such high levels with men. But Graf is a professional stunt actor and can support herself while training to be in top physical shape. Because of pay inequality, even professional women athletes are forced to divert their focus away from their sport to find ways to get by. So it's easy to understand where the disparities lie, and it's not with women's athletic abilities. 
Is A&W a sport? Who cares? It's an athletic competition born solely out of the desire to make profitable television that somehow still manages to be more socially progressive than professional capital S sports. What do you think this says for women and the rest of the competition as the years go on? The fact that you were able to complete this stage, what does that say? It says we can do anything. That's it for The Dispatch. I'm John Lagomarsino. Have a great holiday. We'll be back tomorrow with new stories.